Hello and welcome to the this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Lee, how many days until the fixies, baby? Fifteen days, boys. Fifteen oh, days. Shit. I mean, it's literally in two weeks. We're going to see each other in two weeks. And nobody is more excited than the three guys doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be on the plane right now, Jeremy. This time, this time two weeks from now. Yep, obviously. Well, guys, um, this week we're looking at a possible fixie contender recently nominated for Best Picture. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. We're just discussing that it's gonna that, that name also applies to what's gonna happen to our colons when we, we return to our homes after our um time in Vegas. And Chapin, you um, said recently nominated for Best Picture, but the, the fixie nominations haven't been announced. Did you I'm wanna sorry, clarify that? The best pictures of the Oscars. I'm so, I apologize okay. for that. Um yes, so sorry, the Oscars best picture. Um so yeah, um give the trailer a listen. <laughs> ask you simple questions you will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth absolute truth now brief as you can what is your name stanton carlisle are you a true medium yes i am mr carlisle doctor that. Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune. It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. <laughs> if you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. All right, guys. Um... So I have a kind of broad question, and I think, you know, we, we are very specific these days given the amount of awards out there, so I think it'd be fun to talk about. what To you both, what is Guillermo del Toro's role in cinema today? Hmm. So that sort of uh, blends into what I was going to say as far as, like, Guillermo del Toro is an interesting director because he's very cinematic. And like my question to you guys was going to be like, he has very dark and gritty themes, but do you prefer that in his sort of presentation of it, like in a almost comic book style, or do you prefer gritty and dark in a, a way that it's like a Lars Van Trier style. 
I mean, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. And but I guess I, I mean, I don't, I don't just mean so much like what he means to you, but like if, if PTA is our, I don't know, true auteur, our sort of our Hal Ashby perhaps of, of the current era and Tarantino is our pulp filmmaker. And I mean, all these, like, just think about the, the guys we have done Unfortunately, it's been all guys for our retrospectives, the directors. If we were to do Guillermo del Toro, how, how would he fit into our the, the sort of list of directors today? Like, how does he shape cinema? He's won an Oscar. He's won a couple Oscars. This is his first post-Oscar movie. and I'm, So I'm wondering, what do, we, what do we think about his role in in cinema today? So I like that he brings kind of this fairy tale nature to his movies and that allows a lot of freedom for a director and a storyteller cuz so like anything can happen and you know evidenced in his best picture winning Shape of Water as a movie about this woman this this mute woman that falls in love with a fish man and people loved it and then you look at movies like Pan's Labyrinth, which is very much a fairy tale, but it's dark, right? And that's that gritty, dark thing that he brings to those fairy tales. So Nightmare Alley, on, on in some regards, is sort of right up his alley, and in others, maybe not. But I think when you're talking about auteurs, he, he is that particular auteur, one that can bring a vision and a fairy tale and an anything-goes story into his films. And I think a lot of people like that. I like that. I like when reality and fantasy can be blurred and done successfully. So in theory, I like Guillermo del Toro a lot, but sometimes I wonder if that, I don't know. I almost don't want to call it lightness, but that fairy tale nature gets in the way of, or, or doesn't really work well with kind of the dark, themes that he explores that they I mean, don't go together <clears throat> but, i'm sort of torn on this because like he is very like i said before very cinematic which i really really appreciate like there's something about the medium of cinema that lends itself to stuff that he like that he understands in that he's portraying i think like, it's, you can do anything and he knows that well, it's not even the anything. It's the it's the he's like in in Nightmare Alley. He's like doing a very noir uh, story, but he also with the production design and the lighting and the set design and the costumes. Like he's utilizing every tool yeah, in his toolbox yeah. to like really portray his films. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with like the gritty sort of uh, like documentary feel of of other movies, but they're not taking advantage of the whole cinematic toolbox, which Del Tormo is definitely taking advantage of, and that's what I appreciate appreciate about him. Yeah, well, that that's sort of what I was thinking. This movie, I think, just like on a very basic aesthetic level, reminded me a little bit of Tim Burton, and I started wondering, like, is Del Toro our Tim, new Tim Burton? 
Um, but I think he's a smarter filmmaker than yeah, Burton like is. A, I think a better he's... elevated level of that. Yeah. Um, I think, or, you know, and then as we were talking about this just now, I thought like, you know, and he were, he was supposed to direct the Hobbit movies mm-hmm. for Peter Jackson. And then they, he, he dropped out, you know, is he like, is he the Peter Jackson that everybody wanted Peter Jackson to be? Oh, right? that's, like, that's great. That's a I great that's, point. I think that's, yeah, I think that's great because I love what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings, but we haven't seen anything outside of that world from Peter Jackson that's worked since then. Whereas Guillermo del Toro has done such a great job at taking either original stories or adapting other stories and just making something very new and original and, like Jeremy said, very, very cinematic. And... I like that you point out, Jeremy, that he takes every tool from that he has to make it cinematic. And you think about all the period pieces he's done, especially recently, whether it's Nightmare Alley, Shape of Water, you go back to Pan's Labyrinth, you know, that affords him that opportunity to light things, shoot things, set decoration, costume design, all those types of things. Then you have movies like um, Pacific Rim, where he's using a whole nother set of tools with, you know, visual effects and... um, different types of camera work and different types of production design that again, he's, he's not, it's not just that he has an eye for how to shoot something or how to tell a story. It's about, it's, he, he knows how to create, I almost want to say create a world. Typically we give credit to directors like, you know, Denny Villeneuve or something like that for, for doing that in a movie like Dune. But he kind of creates a world and it may be a realistic world that he infuses some, you know, fairy tale elements into, but he does everything he can to create this full picture. And I think that's his greatest talent, you know, storytelling. I think he's good at for sure, but he's not like a Paul Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino when it comes to telling a story. He's, he can take a story and just craft it into a, you know, a really unique vision. So then, yeah. Just to f- it, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, and also like, he's he's really good at like the supernatural, and it's actually most interesting in a movie like Nightmare Alley, where there is no actual supernatural element, mm-hmm. but it feels like there is, and he's it. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Prestige in a way, where the filmmaker is the one playing the trick on you because the the concept of the movie is deception. Bradley Cooper's character plays sort of a mentalist that deceives people through uh, various means that they kind of show, but also Del Tormo like, does it as well. Yeah, I mean, the... Um... The one thing I was going to say is that, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering what you guys think of Del Toro as an auteur and, you know, piggybacking on the Peter Jackson point And I don't know, maybe we put James Cameron in this, in this, um, category too. And I'm sure I'm not thinking of maybe Tim Burton belongs there too, but these, these guys who work sort of exclusively in genre, write their own stuff and clearly have like a point of view and a style and a, 
um, sense of things. Uh, where where does that land for you guys, these genre filmmakers, it, compared to someone like Tarantino or PCA? Like, where, you know, are they, where, where do they land for you guys? Well, I like them for very different reasons. Um, you know, I, speaking broadly, I like Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino's movies better, but if you were to separate the movies in general, I, I like the idea behind what Guillermo del Toro does better. And again, it's that creating something out of nothing idea that he is so good at and, you know, utilizing all his tools and really creating a incredible vision um, with whatever it is. And, and again, he, I think he is absolutely an auteur because so many of his movies follow that same path. I mean, you look through his whole filmography, you have the Hellboy movies, Pan's Labyrinth, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water. They're all like some of the, there's like a little rooted in horror, a little rooted in fantasy, a little bit rooted in noir. And he brings his style and production design and and cinematography to all of them. So I, I love that about him. Now, I don't know that I love any of his movies. Maybe, I you know, I really like Pan's Labyrinth. I like Hellboy. You know, movies like Pacific Rim are good for what they are, but that's a whole nother conversation, and we'll get to Nightmare Alley. But I love, in theory, I love what Guillermo del Toro does, but he's nowhere near PTA or, why? Q, or like QT and what I like about him. Like, about why, why is del Toro not near there? Because I feel like he's climbing the ladder. I feel like he's doing, like, super interesting things with with the material he has and, and, and in a style that, like, anyone will say, yeah, that's that's his own. So why is del Toro, to you, not... There. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, let's get into Nightmare Alley then. Why? Like, did you not like it? What was no, your I did. I actually like, really, was... I, I really liked Nightmare Alley. What's interesting about Nightmare Alley and is, I was, I was thrown by what this movie was. Like, I when it when it finally ended, and I realized that ultimately what Nightmare Alley is is a, you know, rise and fall story, and that's it. And I'm not saying that's it to diminish it. I'm just saying that's all it is. Like I was like, oh wait a minute, I was way off on this movie. What like were I you thought, thinking, this, I was thinking, thinking this is like what you were talking about. Like is this some? There's there's something supernatural here. Is this a horror movie? Is where is this movie going? What is up with this character? And really, that, it's just isn't about that the rise part and fall. of like the appeal of the sort of illusion of it. Like a little to, bit. I don't know. Like, that I that thought totally that was worked. impressive. I liked that. I don't know if it totally worked for the way you're talking about it, but. And I liked Nightmare Alley. I think it has some issues that we can talk about. But I mean, Nightmare Alley is all about de- deception and de- deceiving your audience. Like literally, it like. And, and I go back to the Prestige. It's all about illusions and you know, uh, faking your audience out. And, and then to do that cinematically within the movie, I think that's so fun. And and, and he does it here. So. Hmm. I don't know that I love the comparison. I like the comparison to the Prestige, but I don't know that it works on any on a level even close to the Prestige in terms uh, no, of the no, filmmaker of playing the trick. I think it's a much different movie. 
It is totally. It but... is, of course. But I think I I think there's something to that. The Prestige obviously is a much better movie. But... I get what you're saying in terms of the filmmaker is the one. You know, but you pulling, have you have a main character that works in deception, and they show you the tricks of the deception within the movie, and then the movie itself sort of takes you for that same, trick on same the deception. thing is is that the prestige has <clears throat> i mean i'm not comparing them as no, a no, one to one thing i but the prestige has supernatural elements and this one decidedly doesn't and mentalism is a real thing it, right it can be done it's like it's suggestion and um but i don't know guys i thought this movie was pretty fantastic like I, 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 I really liked it. liked it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot better than Shape of Water. Oh, I thought, oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Like I thought it was really, really good. Um, I think this is just like such a mature work from um, Del Toro. I think you know, there's a certain childish childishness that through his style that is very, um attractive you know we you see that in pan's labyrinth you but see you that in the here? hellboy movies it's not it's yeah. not and i think it works really well and i think to me the that that part of shape of water just didn't work it's like this is a this is a romance about a, an adult woman with a fish man and um it it just doesn't it doesn't work to have those childlike moments and this is a real mature adult movie and um, I really like that. I really yeah. like that. Is there anything and, to what I said about like, because this is a dark movie. Like there are very dark themes in this movie. But what is it that he does that sort of glosses it in a way that makes it both his own, both cinematic and also more palatable? I actually think that's a great point because he's got that he's got that sense that you pointed out, Jeremy, that that film noir, the colors, the saturated colors, the sort of the look of fantasy, the heightened reality of fantasy mm. put into a realistic story. So you've got these like incredible visuals, this like, you know, um, is it a carnival? Is that what is that yeah. what it is that he's in th this carnival that is, you know, obviously such a rich visual environment but you know he heightens it as if it's part of this you know world that we don't that's just sort of just beyond reality yeah because if you look there's that shot there's the wide shot of it that is like there's no roads leading to it it's like in the complete middle of nowhere yet somehow people are going to this carnival right. like it's very much like is this even something that exists and honestly, like, so I, I think the lighting and the set design is extraordinary. And, and I, you know, the Dan Lauston I mean, and by Del far, Toro, it, if there was a fixie for production design, this oh, is amazing. Yeah, this one would get it. Yeah. This would get it. Um, but Dan Lauston is the cinematographer. His, his the, he's worked with Del Toro for a while. And I think they established this on shape of water, but they're like, the camera is always moving. There's not mm -hmm. a still I shot in that this too. movie. Yeah. And, I, you know, I wasn't crazy about how that worked in Shape of Water. I thought it really worked really well here. Um, it just gives the a sense of energy and like a sense of like just 
pacing um pacing and 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 not just that but like that there isn't this isn't like a proscenium this isn't a stage like you're you you are just always moving in three dimensions through these spaces and so they feel like hyper real and i love their use of wide lenses and the um the 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 format is amazing i just yeah just really in love with the way this this film looks um what do you what what did you guys think of the story in general well, so here's the thing is that I almost look at this as two stories you have because you you have the opening half of this movie or whatever the time time is when he's at the carnival. He's kind of making his way there, meeting all these people, learning how to be a mentalist from Tony Collette and David Strahan. And he meets Rooney Mara's character there. You have all these other eccentric characters. You have Willem Dafoe. You have the geeks. Um and I thought that was really interesting. And like, that was where, like I was telling you, Jeremy, that I was like, what, it, like, what kind of a movie is this? Cause at that point I was like, I didn't know that this is really kind of just the rise and fall of, of Stanton Carlisle. I think this is something more mysterious, more supernatural. Right, well, whatever. I'm just going to put and, a pause in what you say. Just, we can, we can go back to it, but do you, you don't have to answer this now, but does that have anything to do with, uh, Bradley Cooper's performance, but you don't it have to might. answer that now. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll come back to the performances because there's a couple well, others. Does what does what does the mysteriousness of like the what rise and fall, the about. whole thing that this is about him and and that. But you have that first half, and I was I I really found it interesting. And then you go two years later, he's on the road with Rooney Mara performing as a mentalist, and I found that part equally as interesting but it almost felt like a different movie and you see him kind of you know rise to this status and then fall as his ambitions get the best of him and I think when you look at it like that almost like a Scorsese-esque rise and fall story it works but well it doesn't feel like that's what this movie really really wanted to be like right. the wine notes that Lee gives us before we taste something, I read a just a quick some just a quick line from Metacritic from someone about <clears throat> like this being like the failure of humanity, like the the way you know the human per you know his character kind of just like the dark side of his character really just comes to light and dictates that story and. I love that. And I had that note and sort of was hyper aware of it when I was watching it. And I love that aspect of it. I like it too. And I like that. I I really like his character. I think it's really well written, especially how, you know, he enters this movie, like very quiet. There's this mysterious circumstance in his past that also was that resolved. Yeah. That was one of the things I wanted to bring up with you guys. Um, What was, what, what was the deal with that? And I, I don't want to say that in a way that, like, I really, really like this movie, but there were some things, that being one, that I was just like, I'm confused. There's so some just for the for, for some people listening, that there I... was, not to spoil anything, but there was a flashback that kind of goes throughout the movie with Bradley Cooper's character that didn't quite, I, I don't know, maybe I fire. missed it. Yeah. The, oh, I liked well, it. I like that. But what is it? What is it though? 
it, it's, well, it's it's his. He, we find out his. He, it's, it's his him, father, right? Like, killing his father because he always hated him, and burning his past, and and <clears throat> you know, it just shows that this guy has darkness inside of him from the beginning and you don't really know what it is at the, at the you you know that it's ominous and you know that it's strange that he's burning that this house down but you start to understand what it is and why he's the why he is the way he is at the end of the movie so this this kind of translates into my next point where the one thing i didn't think was great i mean i thought he was fine with bradley cooper but like everything you're saying chapin like i didn't see it in him I did not see that like darkness from the beginning really? and then the transition with him in the movie. Oh, I, like so I that's just, what I was going to ask you, Chapin, because I'm not totally in agreement with you, Jeremy, but I don't think I'm with you either, Chapin, in that the beginning you do see this mysteriousness, but by that second act, when we flash forward two years later, he doesn't seem like anybody other than someone who's trying to be successful and will go to any length to do it. I don't see this like dark ulterior motive in him. Oh, I do. Let's talk about that because I, I, I think I that's missing. Bradley Cooper was extraordinary. I this. think his performance and, is good, but I don't know if that's there yeah, in the character. I'm just not, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I thought he was good, but I just couldn't follow all the lines with him. And there was so much that needed to well, be. Well, he killed David Straherin. But did he do that on purpose? I don't I think know he, if he I did. I think he did. I think he might have. Well, then that's another reason I just don't see his performance because I just didn't. Did he? Like, I don't think he did it on purpose. Well, I don't know if he did it on purpose. So that that, but that's a problem. The lack of clarity here is a problem, I think. And there's a few other characters that I have questions about their motivations in this movie. Kate Blanchett is another one. I like her performance too, but I don't know what was motivating her. Money? Is that it? I gotta say, I think Kate Blanchett might be one of the most overrated actresses working today. Interesting. Wow. I actually really I, like I her. Really, I really don't think she's good. I did not think she was good in this. She is not someone who in any way makes me think, makes me want to go see a movie. So I think she's good in this. You guys will be happy to hear. I think she's better in Don't Look Up. But that's, I don't know how you want to take that. <laughs> I mean, she's great in Don't Look Up. Don't Look but Up. But the thing is the best that, movies of the year. <laughs> take her performance out of it. What is her character's motivation, which is a very pivotal part of this movie? I, I, I have no idea. Like, to for the money, maybe? Yeah, but and that seems thin if that's actually all that it is. For the sex? Well, well, she's okay. maybe Bradley Cooper's really good at sex in it. <laughs> Are you drinking a White Claw? No, it's truly. Same What's thing. the difference? The same yeah. thing. Um, I I think I think the, the, I think what the movie wants you to think is that they are, um, that she's also a mentalist. Like, like she's. You know, he he recognizes that she is, you know, kind of does the same thing that he does, right? Because what's extraordinary about what Bradley Cooper does in the beginning is he 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 kind of psychoanalyzes his marks, right? Like he deconstructs that sheriff 
And there's a certain part of psychology that happens in what he does to these people. He gives them relief from their demons. And, you know, that's kind of what a psychiatrist or psychologist is supposed to do. Um, And as a result, you know, she's got all this info about these rich men and passes it on to him and helps him be steal their money. And, but um, I think ultimately she tricks him in believing something. Yeah. It's not totally clear. And that's a little, I think that is clear. The thing is, is that, here this is here's why i think that like it's a little confusing because i got the sense i thought that that bradley cooper was giving her the money to store as a trick like he was trying to trick her into something because it seems so like you don't know this woman the movie yeah. paints her as being very dangerous um and untrustworthy and then the result is that like she totally fucks him and steals everything and has been kind of, this has been a long con on her part. And, um, that's what I don't I, think works. I, I agree. I don't, yeah, I don't either. I don't think that's terribly interesting. It's also like not really about his character. It's about her character and I don't care about her character and I don't think she's good. Well, I don't, it's, well, it has nothing to do with whether she's good or not. I don't know what her motivation is. I don't know why, where she comes along, what her connection money. is. Yeah, that's stupid then. Like, you want to make this this detailed, intricate, rise and fall story about Bradley Cooper's character, and he's he's done in by a woman whose motivation is just money? That that just doesn't seem as sophisticated as this maybe, movie's trying to be. Maybe they just had a fling. I don't know if they did. I mean, I, I will definitely disagree with you, Chapin, as far as, like... Kate Blanchett. I think Kate Blanchett is an amazing. What's actor. her What's her best performance, please? I really like her too. Yeah, I think she's great. In what? In what? Uh, everything she's been in. Aviator. Also, Aviator. Uh, she totally overacts in Aviator. What's next? Next, already crossed that off the list. Jeremy, uh, I want to hear from you. I think it's called like Miss America. Mrs. It's America. actually she's good yeah, in she's really that's a TV good show. in that. Uh, get, what's a movie? Good in the Lord of the Rings movies. She's good in she's good in Benjamin Button. Yeah. The movie's terrible, but she's good in it. No, I think And also Don't Look Up. She was good good in Don't Look Up. Everybody's good in Don't Look Up. up. Yeah, Don't Look Up is also She's really good as mysterious woman voice uncredited in Eyes Wide Shut. So um Elizabeth, she's actually really good in those movies. I don't like those movies, but Anyhow, for some reason, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't find Kate Blanchett's motivation a problem in this movie. Now that you guys bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, why, why did she do all this? But watching it, I did not. That wasn't an issue for me. Um, what did you guys think of Rooney Mara? Eh. Just the, I, yeah, I thought I, I thought she was as good as she was in Social Network. Just a useless character, not a well-written character. I felt like she was, again, also very, like, pointless. And that wasn't her fault, but she just felt like, to me, that she was just supposed to be this, like, cute, innocent ride-along. Look, this movie, this movie was amazing in its tone, in its 
decoration look, and its yeah. look and like all that stuff. And you sort of followed that and everybody else was sort of popping in, popping out. And like, you almost don't, you almost forgive them for the, like, it's not even a problem. Well, Cause every like, time they pop in, pop out, they yeah. all, it all looks so good. Yeah. It's and like, it, beautiful and, and it, intriguing. And this movie is like kind of amazing in that way. If you were really to follow the story, it kind of feels a little rushed at the end, like the the, the rise pathetic, to the this fall. Way too long. Yeah, the rise to the fall goes really quickly. Um, so the I, thing I don't is, know. I really like this movie. Me too. I, I really did too. I really did too. I just had issues with some of the character motivations, and really the biggest one is with Bradley Cooper that I didn't see what you're talking about, Chapin, in that kind of. What's going on with him? How that flashback plays into it. And I think it's there in the beginning of the movie for sure. And I actually think that first half when he's at the carnival, you do kind of see that he's up to something, even when it seems like he's trying to help and, you know, make the acts better and more theatrical. Like he's in this for himself and he's, you know, he wants to learn how to be a mentalist from Tony Collette and David Strahan. He's up to something. I feel like that's gone in that second half. I feel like at that point, he's just trying to make a career until like he sees an opportunity, you know, to either make more money or whatever it is. And it, you know, gets the best of him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, it's a temptation. Yeah. And that's fine. But the, where is that? Where is that? Well, you see his darker side. Like he's very, you know, like in, in, in the carnival stuff in the first half and the yeah, first you see it third, there, I think you see it there, but then, and, but he's sweet to hit the people around him. And then you can see like, he's like barking at Rooney Mara and, and, and biting her head off about sort of subtle yeah, mistakes that didn't up, really yeah. matter. And he's clearly somebody who is ambitious and, and clearly their life is like, grand in a way but not you know yeah i wish i wish rooney mara was given more to do in this but she really wasn't it could have yeah, helped like, yeah i i liked her I, I actually thought she was good um i i think she so i don't know this the parts that i think of her in are not naive and she was kind of naive and but also very um sort of hyper present and and can could see things that bradley cooper's character could not see um but yeah i I agree so i guess this goes back to the auteur question and i guess it's more for you jeremy and and maybe chapin you'll kind of answer it from from the opposite direction it's like when you're looking at this movie as a whole and you say, you know, you really liked this movie, is it solely, I don't know if this is, I don't know how to phrase it. I was going to say, is it solely because of what Guillermo del Toro does with material that doesn't quite work? Or is, I guess this is saying the same thing. Are you just looking past, are those things still good enough that it would work even without the, you know, expert filmmaking. Does that make sense? Or is this without the filmmaking that Del Toro brings to that? This is this movie t- bad. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Without the 
del Toro. This is this is a terrible movie. Um, See, I don't know if I totally agree with that because no, I think I, there is I, more here with the story. It just doesn't all know. work. Doesn't all I don't piece know, together because I think he's just so good at with his visuals. That's that's what we haven't discussed really is like how good he is with his visuals because yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. He knows what he wants, and that sort of adds gravitas to the film itself. <laughs> I look like I don't know how many different ways we can say it. The film is gorgeous. Um, the cinematography is beautiful, but the production design beyond. deserves a ton of credit. But it's also like his shot selection, the way he moves the camera, you know, the way he creates a, you know, the pacing and the way he creates a mood for this movie is really, really engaging. And I love that about it. And I think that is what basically takes this movie up a notch. I still think despite my issues with it, that the rise and fall works. I love that kind of story. And yeah, I, I, love I the... agree. I love, I, I, I do too. But I, as I said before, I think the fall happens too quickly I I, wa- I would have wanted to see. I know it's a long movie, but I would have wanted to see sort of from him hopping on the train to him like deciding to eat a chicken. I I would have wanted well, to see there is how weird it got like there. why he agreed to that. Like what yeah. happened totally that decided that he well decides alcohol to agree with apparently. I like the end of this movie. It's a cool ending, but yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, that's what that's what happens. You make a you make a choice to do something really stupid for gr- out of greed, and you end up killing two people, and then yeah, your life spirals. is fucked. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's true. Not mine. That's true. I Chapin knows it. Well, Jeremy gets away with it. Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> I even admit it on this podcast. Nobody cares. Nobody listens. That's Nobody not... cares. <laughs> if one person listened to this podcast, you'd be in prison. Yeah, FBI. Knocking down my door. No, right. those well, we need to land are, on Bradley Cooper in this dead. movie, his performance. So Leo was supposed to play this role and uh, dropped out. I, w- I would have much preferred Leo on this. You know what? I, I mean, obviously, that's the obvious answer, of course. Oh, I, think okay. Cooper, I think Cooper is better at this than Leo nope, would have wrong. Been. You're wrong. I think Cooper's good in this, but this is not the best I've seen him. Yeah, I had problems with him in this. I just really? didn't buy. I had I no have, problems with him. This certain is... things with it. Yeah. No, no, no. See, I'm not even close to that. I had no problems with him. I think it's a good performance. It's fine. It's just yeah. not the best that I've seen from him. It's not a fixie nominee. Mm, sounds like it might be. We'll find out in 15 days. Oh God, that's great. I mean, he just does things subtly in this movie that I don't think Leo could do. Although Leo is quite good in subtle and, and don't look up. I mean, in some places. I just don't. I, my, my problem with his performance was he was too like. Oh, like he wasn't understated enough. Well, he really? spends like the first 20 minutes of the movie without saying anything. Thank you. <laughs> That's as understated as it gets. I actually think, if anything, the, pro- the problem is not with his performance. The problem is with 
whether or not you can see kind of that past in him throughout this whole movie. And I, right. I don't I, know I, that I saw that. I don't buy, I, okay, that's a good point, Lee. I don't buy his past and I don't buy his future. I didn't buy him killing his dad for that and I didn't buy him getting to the point where he was at the end of the movie. Do you got so we don't usually dig into this too much, but this movie I think is definitely too long. It's two uh, two and a half hours long. Oh, that now, didn't bother me. On this, oh, movie. see, yeah, for bo- me, it didn't bother me. Oh, so maybe that's why we don't get into it. For me, like we spend. I honestly wanted more of the ending. I wanted that fall to be longer. Right, sure, add that, but then take away what? Like, do we take away some of the time of that carnival, or is that very important setup? Is there too yeah, much the, time the... spent? Like it, in the early days of him and Rooney Mara together yes. two years later, there's, like there's probably too much time at the carnival, but it's just populated with like all these great actors and this beautiful production. Yeah, you want to keep looking these, at it, but where's want, it? Yeah, you want to. It does. Yeah, it, I, I think there's a lot of superfluous stuff in that. Yeah, section. it's so cool. Like put that carnival with all these actors and that look and the production design. Like doesn't get boring like this movie never got boring to me if like you think no. about it the whole willem dafoe and the geek storyline aside from what happens to bradley that Cooper sounds like end, a coen brothers uh short film but it's not even it's not really relevant to the movie uh it is it ends up being well i know only because you see what happens with it, him at the end but only because of the ending? Yeah, but yeah. we spend like a half hour with this with Willem Dafoe's character and the geek and chasing him and him getting away and like and all that. Yeah. And, you know, you need one scene where you see what it is and uh, he d- explains I don't know. how that I happens. Think I, I, I think I honestly think it could have been longer. Long. I think it could have been longer and oh, I would have been happy with that. Were you getting boredly? Were you like, oh, I, I No, I get... wasn't getting bored because for the same reasons we've been talking about. This movie is gorgeous to look at. It's It's engaging. It's... It's well made. The camera's always moving. It sucks you in. So you don't get bored. But when the movie's over, you kind of sit there and say, what did I spend all that time watching? Because no. you didn't need everything in there. I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's, that's true. Case. That's not true. It's true. It's too long. That's a fact, actually. I don't think so. It's not even a critique. It's not too long when you finish a movie and then we're like, which you enjoyed, and then, and like, never we're like, oh, I need this to end. And then at the end, you were like, oh, yeah, that was too long. Dragging and too long are not the same thing. I I just think there is superfluous content in here that's not necessary. No, I I don't. I think agree. you could have been more efficient with this movie, and then maybe it's still just as long. But you're adding I could have done twenty more minutes. Twenty more I, minutes. Okay, put your twenty minutes in and take out twenty minutes someplace else, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the, the two and a half hour running time. It's that it's how that two and a half hours is utilized. Yeah, you don't complain about the Irishman because it's Scorsese. Oh, I, I do actually. I haven't watched that movie since. Uh, this is his longest movie. 2019. I mean, I I really appreciate him as a filmmaker, and I like want him to keep doing the movies he wants to do and getting the stories he wants to get. Like, I really do appreciate him. I do too, and I love the, I love how like, you know, parts of this movie don't even look real. 
and like that's all just in like these gorgeous shots that he creates I guess you want it to mean something more like you want like there's this very like eerie supernatural like you brought up Jeremy and strange horror aspect of this movie that's not as present in the story which is cool, like that he can it do is, that but, without it actually being in the story. But I think it. Ne- I think they need to tie together somehow. Otherwise, it's just. Uh, I don't. It's, think otherwise, so. it's just like a story and a no, filmmaker. No, but the story, the whole off. things about like grifters, people that are making stuff up. Like that's the whole thing. Like you can't mm-hmm. actually have supernatural in a story about people who are uh, fleecing people about supernatural events. Like, that's his thing. But you can't just say that, like, the reason something's there is because he's trying to trick you. Yes, it is. Because, like, the prestige, which, again, not a great example, but that, like, like, Bradley Cooper's character is tricking his own audience with this supernatural stuff. It's not really there. And then this movie is tricking the audience with supernatural stuff that actually isn't there. I think yeah. that's. I like. You're not I, buying in, that. Like no, I in, think that's so. In theory, really I like what you're saying. Great. I, 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 you brought up some. You brought up a similar idea. I want to say when we were talking about the usual suspects, and it was it's not apples to apples. Where yeah, but in 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 theory that makes sense, but. But what there doesn't make sense? A, Tell me there, what doesn't make sense about what I just said. No, it, in, in theory, it makes sense. But where it doesn't apply in this movie is that the story doesn't work as well as the filmmaking does. So they need to be on par with each other. If you're going to, t- if sure. you're going to take that risk and sure, say, okay, that doesn't deny what I just. What he's trying to do. I'm not denying what you're saying. I'm saying it because in theory that makes sense. But in this movie, to say he's a mentalist, he's trying to suggest that he has supernatural powers, but when he doesn't, and the movie is trying to suggest that there's something supernatural happening when there isn't, that doesn't work for me in this movie. It doesn't. The movie's not suggesting that at all. I think the movie is. I think it is. I think the movie's not suggesting a, a supernatural at all. I think there's no, a mood no, it's, it, and like a tone. I don't know if supernatural necessarily, but a, there's some Chapin, tones it's, and moods it's, in the, whether it's, it's doing the same. Supernatural, it's, it's doing like, the same trick as the mentalist is doing in this movie, which I think is super clever of the movie. I think the tone what of this mean? movie I, I tries to. I think the what, tone of this movie tries to mislead you. Right. I think it tries to tell you it's about something that it's not. Which is what. Which is that there's something more mysterious about this character of Bradley Cooper that of of like Dan there Carlyle. is some sort of supernatural, some sort of oh no, I don't, I don't think supernatural. But I think thing. I think I don't think it's supernatural. I think this movie is trying to tell you there's something more mysterious about the characters in this movie than meets the eye. Which whether which Stan Carlisle, which is whether, true though. Yeah, but that doesn't play out for me, and that's what I've been trying to get at. Is I, I never kills, see that in Bradley Cooper. You, you 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 what you gather is that he is more. He is more sociopathic than we realized. Mm. It's not there for me. It's a little bit there, what but do it's you not mean? totally there. He kills there. his father. See, I. But so what? <laughs> like that. That that's so. 
that's such a side aspect of this movie. And like the same conversation can be had with Kate Blanchett. We don't understand what she was up to. So the idea that you're trying to blend this idea that the characters in this movie are trying to be something that we don't expect and that the movie is trying to be something that we don't expect. It doesn't work because we never actually see what those characters are. That never actually plays out the way we it way it needs to. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the heart of this movie is the carnival. The heart of this movie is Bradley Cooper's mindset and all the other stuff is sort of ancillary and doesn't really get resolved. But it's still an amazing movie to watch. I I just disagree with that, but... God, our fixies are going to be so contentious this year. It's going to be amazing. I just... Look, guys. It's Coda versus Nightmare movie, Alley. The movie the tells you from the beginning that something in this character's life is unresolved or there's something dark in his past. Right. And it shapes him. And we find out at the end that this guy was so angry with his father, hated this man so much that, but I didn't buy that in Bradley Cooper's performance, but which is a problem. Okay. But hold on, hold on, hold on. But that's a fair criticism. But the David Strahan character says this, there's always a young boy with daddy issues. Yeah. Meaning everybody, meaning not everybody, but a, a lot of us walk through life with these with baggage. Yeah. Chips chips on our shoulders because of our fathers. And this guy our had fathers a really were a model one. for God. If our fathers bailed, what does that tell you about God? Sorry. No, you interrupted me. I'm done with this. I, I got to go. Knock it out of the park. You can't be done with it. We're going to talk about it more on the Fixies, I'm hey, sure. This David, David Fincher's fifth best movie. Um, okay, anyways. So no, Fight Club? Oh, man. God. We already did this argument. We did this. We've done again. this. We've done this. Okay. Done this. Been what? there. The, the teacher. So I'm God, just saying, I like, am going to literally, when, from here, go watch Fight Club. This is the thing that is, is, is driving me nuts. We all liked this movie. <laughs> No, I, but I, I think you guys are missing something. I think you're missing something, which is that I think the movie's missing something. <laughs> carried around this thing that everybody carries about, carries around. The movie tells you this. The movie tells you that. Yeah, it that tells me. The, it tells me. It does not show me. Filmmaking 101. Okay, fine. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Get wow. Your Film Fix podcast. Just wrap it up. Can't even do We're it. We're going to see you guys in two weeks. The two Fixies weeks. are here. Guys, we oh, yeah. need your make me, make me, we need me. your voice memo voice memos. Tell us what you loved about this year. Tell us what you hated about this year. Just tell us something. Send it to us. Voice memos. Feedback at get your film fix. Get your film fix podcast.com. We also we love have you. We have a Gmail. No, don't tell them account a, don't now. tell them a different oh. But also the reason Just I bring that up email. I bring that up because you can go to our YouTube channel now and watch the trailer for the fixies what's our youtube channel get your film fix get your film fix podcast just search that in youtube i'm sure it's way down the list at this point (laughs) okay so you guys all have a homework assignment please let us know and for those who just say who say oh 
we're close. We're close to the guy, so we don't have to send it in. No, you have to send it in, Lydia and Sarah. So thank you very much. Ooh, <laughs> called out on the pod. If only Lydia listened to it. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.